Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. We certainly do. And if I may talk about themes for a second, usually we try to pick one of our theme songs that is the most antithetical to what we're listening to, but this time we actually hit it like right on the screws, I think. Anyway, hi! <laughs> Welcome to Market Sarah Talk About Songs, episode 242. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am in the front seat, as always, with Mark Blankenship. Hi, Mark. Honk, honk. <laughs> Uh, before we leave tonight or live and die this way, Mark, please tell us what we're listening to and why. We are listening to Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, a song I have been wanting to talk about for quite some time, and I just decided now is the moment. I am so interested, Sarah, to talk to you not only about your relationship to this song, because I assume, like me, you couldn't avoid it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just always around. But I also am excited to talk about the structure of this song and the way that Tracy Chapman spins her story that she's telling us. There's just so much about this song that defies the expectation of it becoming a top 10 hit. And yet that's what happened. This song peaked at number six on the Hot 100. Tracy Chapman's self-titled album, which featured this song, went on to reach number one. She won the Grammy that year for Best New Artist. Uh, it, It just to me is one of those moments where it's exciting to watch the charts because a song you would never expect to reach a broad audience actually did. And then bonus, uh, in my opinion, it's a brilliant song that did that. It wasn't like some random novelty song of two ducks quacking in a can. It's this (laughs) sensitive, you know, the duck can song. (laughs) Number three with a bullet. (laughs) It's this sensitive, beautifully wrought, work by this incredible artist who you never would have expected to be a mainstream success and then yet she was so before we listen to a clip i do want to just give a bit of background on how this song became a hit or at least partially how its journey began uh in 1988 tracy chapman was performing on a tribute concert for nelson mandela and she performed in the earlier part of the bill but then later that evening in the primetime version which was being aired across the country Stevie Wonder's equipment started to malfunction, and so he needed some extra time to get ready, which meant that they had a sudden hole to fill in a live primetime broadcast. So Tracy Chapman was brought back out to perform again, which meant that all of these people who had tuned in were suddenly seeing this woman that they had never heard of before, and she sang Fast Car, and sometimes people can recognize excellence when they see it, and she was launched into stardom because of that. And it's I never knew that story. Wow. Yeah. It's like an interesting story about someone who was ready for the luck that they were given. Mm-hmm. And it makes you think, like, how many other really excellent lost hits are there that if they had been given such a chance would have also said, oh, wait, that's good. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, so that's how that's how Tracy Chapman got launched and, of course, continues. Well, I mean, she hasn't really released an album in a while, but remained a presence for quite some time. But let's, without further ado, take a moment to listen to a clip from the number six peaking Fast Car. We go cruise and entertain ourselves. Still ain't got a job. Now work in the market as a checkout girl. I know things will get better. 
You'll find work and I'll get promoted We'll move out of the shelter Buy a bigger house and live in the suburbs I remember when we were driving, driving in your car Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk City lights lay out before us And your arm felt nice, wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged This song is really something. Um, And I am also excited to talk about the structure. Um, This is the first concert, I think, first or second concert that I was allowed to go to on my own with my friends at Garden State Arts Center. Um, And, you know, everybody knew this song and then left, basically, which I felt was pretty depressing for her. But... um, at that concert got me into the album as a whole, Mm. which is a really brilliant album. Um, overall, I think, uh, I agree. There's so many excellent songs on there. Yeah. No real weak points in it. Um, and that, that opener is iconic, but at this, at this point, when this was a big, when this was a big deal, uh, I was a junior in high school and, this was the time when our social lives were in like in each other's cars, just driving around, getting to parties too late, um, being away from the phone so that we couldn't hear it not ringing with boys who were not calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of the world of two that is your friend's cars Um, or the world of four or like whatever combinations of just like being lit only by the, the light in the glove box sometimes, and just listening to the radio or listening to tapes or whatever you're doing. I associate that with this song and also her ability to both speak to this very specific series of stories happening to the same narrator. It's possible i'm interpreting this incorrectly but i feel like this is a series of vignettes over time with Mm -hmm. this narrator and this couple and this town that the fastest possible car can't get her out of her life and its disappointments so the the particulars of this life sort of on that edge of solvency and homedness um is that like they're fucking light years away from my, you know, privileged white private school attending ass at this time. And yet her, like the specificity of it, but also the, the larger sense of like longing and desperation that she's talking about are universals. I think particularly to, to women who are often taking on these like caretaking responsible roles what whereas the driver of the fast car can just be wherever he wants in in life and in the world and that f- that feeling of being stuck somewhere because you're an ovarian american is very universal but also that longing for something else and that 
bitter, you know, the ashes of hope um, are very universal. And the elasticity of her voice that can contain so many con like conflicting emotions that are in conflict with each other at the same time is another thing that I think makes this song enduring and uh, very universally appealing because I think that the specifics definitely make the song as a, as a narrative work, but that she's also able to tap into something broader about being young and, th and thinking you're going to be that one woman who doesn't have to fucking pay for having tits every minute of her life. Uh, she really gets at a lot of things, but, and it's also like not depressing, this song. It's not cheery, but it's not depressing. It's just this um, account of a life that is beautiful and it's um, sepia, like dark blue tones, I think. So that's my yeah. take on the song. So, so many things to respond to. First, I will say that I had a great car story with Tracy Chapman. Uh, some friends and I in college were driving down to get a burrito at this place called, told, place called Tortillas in downtown Atlanta. And we were listening to the self-titled album and talking about a revolution was on. And just when she got to the part where she says, don't you know you better run, 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 run. We walked past this group. We drove past this group of people jogging. So we all pointed at them <laughs> <laughs> said you better run 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 it was so <laughs> stupid but it was also something i'll never forget because we were all so excited that the timing was just right uh i will also say that the first time i heard tracy chapman's self-titled album was when i was in high school at some point it was right around the time that give me one reason was a hit oh sure so okay. her comeback song and i was just too young for fast car at the age of nine, mm -hmm. it just that's not it's not a song for children. No, but by the time that she had her comeback hit with "Give Me One Reason," I then went back and bought the self-titled album, and I was sitting on the floor of my bathroom where I had a little stereo, and I listened to the whole album just sitting there wrapped, and I remember so clearly that I immediately started it again and laid back on the floor of the bathroom and listened to the whole thing again mm -hmm. because I always couldn't believe how good it was. So obviously a lot of that response was driven by this song because like you said, I think you're absolutely correct. These are vignettes of a single woman's life and it's about the slow ebbing of hope mm -hmm. that she's going to escape. Yeah. And it starts, you can feel in the writing, the youthful, innocent hope that this one dude is going to rescue her from staying at home, dropping out of school to take care of her father. Mm -hmm. She's too young to see that the pattern is already starting to repeat. Yeah. And then she hangs on to that hope when she's working at a, she's working as a checkout girl and she says, I know things will get better You'll find work. I'll get promoted. We'll move out of the shelter. Still young enough yes, to buy a big house and live in the suburbs. Like the 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 immeasurable distance, yeah, between moving out of the shelter, wearing your little you know plastic vest with your with your pin on it from King Supermarket to buy a big house and live in the suburbs, and that 
sort of sweet summer child just about to fall into the chasm between those two things is like it just it gets me every time that it's like oh honey and it's like know. You, you know tracy chapman knows but this narrator you just want to put this narrator like in your own car and drive her far away from wherever and, she and isn't is that, and isn't that part of why it works so well because you yeah. know that tracy chapman knows mm-hmm and that ache that's present in her voice always just predicts the end, even in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, God. And then, then of course, by the end, this dude has proven himself to be a jerk. And he Tri- sees Trifler both. of all time, like one of the all-time rock and roll song triflers. Yeah, for sure. S- stay out drinking late at the bar. See more of your friends than you do of your kids. Oh, and I so always by the hoped end, for better. Maybe together and, you and me find it. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. And so by the end, she just says, take your fast car and keep on driving. Meaning, and I always hear that there's such exhausted resignation in that. Now, do you think, I agree, but do you think that the song, when she says, take your fast car and keep on driving, do you think that this is sort of going back to, well, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how to explain what I mean, but that she starts at the beginning of the song and then this whole, the whole song and the vignettes are the narrator imagining how this is going to go. And then take your fast car and keep on driving is the, is the first going back to going back to one and her being like, yeah, I could see already that this is not going to turn out. You're not going to give me what I need. I can only rely on myself to get out of this cycle. Hmm. You like, I'll get my own car, take your fast car and keep on driving so that I don't fall prey to magical thinking. Or Hmm. do you think it's her saying to this guy that she like, you know, she tried it. It didn't work out. She kept trying it. It kept not working out. And she's like, you know what? Now you can take your car and leave. That's what I think. Yes. I yeah. think that each each verse is a present moment experience for mm. the narrator. And by the end, she has realized that she was a fool to place her hopes on this dude and his fast promises. And she is at this point tied down with children. Mm-hmm. And she has she says, I got no plans. I ain't going nowhere. Take your fast car and keep on driving. Yeah, I think you're Meaning, right. Yeah, And it's just so fucking sad, but also this song, like you said, is beautiful and I really enjoy listening to it. And the other thing structurally that I love is that the chorus keeps changing. I mean, the lyrics and the melody Mm -hmm. don't change, but the meaning of the chorus seems to keep changing for me. Because at the beginning, that feeling of feeling free and feeling like you can be someone, that rush of It's the rush of not just driving fast, but it's the rush of someone who isn't in your family has picked you. Yes. And the way that uh, we can finally see what it means to be living changes. Yes. That in the beginning, she's like, I'm 16. I'm about to get it in. We're two counties away from anybody that knows me. It's almost a full moon. And I'm in this beautiful car that's going miles and miles above the speed limit now we can finally see what it means to be living like be grown um be free but by the end what that means is well now you finally see what it means to be living 
which is yes. 85% fucking garbage and repetitive chores and doing things you don't really want to do, but you said you would go. While the you know, the triflers of the world buy rounds for their friends at the bar and you change a diaper. Like yeah. th- this it, now do and you see what it means to be living? Because it's, it's not great, mostly. <laughs> like, and it's so it's so innocent that she's like, my your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder, and I I had a feeling that I belonged. Yes. Oh my god, I get emotional just thinking about it. I had a feeling I could be someone. Like the the access that this young person has to that hope, and then we keep. Then it's so interesting because the song keeps moving forward in time. So that means that each time the chorus returns, she's looking further back in her past to remember that one fleeting moment when she thought she could be someone. Yeah. And, and to finally yeah. say to the person who gave her that feeling, please drive away, the car that actually gave her the feeling is gone. It's so fucking sad. And yet, because the the music is so beautifully constructed and because in even telling this story, Tracy Chapman is conferring dignity on this woman, it is not sad to listen to. It's moving. It's beautiful, but it isn't, it isn't destroy. It doesn't destroy me except in the ways that I like to be destroyed. And I feel like that, (laughs) yeah, that is. And and I also think it's so interesting structurally that the first chorus takes a long time to show up. Mm Mm-hmm. Like we get several verses about this woman's life before we get to that thing that has kept her going. And I feel like that's important too. Like she almost doesn't want to take it out and look at it is how I've always interpreted it. But then once she starts to look at it, she keeps coming back to it and shit, you just, you basically get an entire woman's entire life in four and a half minutes. It's incredible. Well, and the, the ways that she uses certain um, not signifiers, but like they're not exactly pronouns. Uh, there's a there's a term for this. It's like quantitative pronouns or something like that, where it's you're talking about um, like it's any and some words. So um, any place is better is what spoke to me when I was when the song came out and when I was like mm-hmm. 15, 16, any place is better than here. But the point of the song is that any place you go, there you are. So mm-hmm. when this narrator is like, I thought I could be someone, which, like who? Which someone? Every Everything that this woman is and was struggling to escape um, is outlined by and given form by someone else wanting her or taking her somewhere or mm-hmm. driving her away from her home, or mm. me, or leaving her to pick up the pieces of a, you know, her broken father's life. That and you know, I think that for young people, that is often how the self is experienced is again is pushing against other, uh, the other, mm-hmm. right? Um, like this is not a judgment of the narrator or anyone really. <laughs> it's just like. Having been a um, late blooming adolescent at a girls' school who had very little sort of confidence in her own instincts and needed to be told by other people for years after her adolescence who she was and why she was good, 
Mm-hmm. That this sort of like I can be someone that it's like, but you don't you don't know who, and you're not saying you could be yourself, or you could be the best at something. You could just be someone. You could be important, and the whole rest of the song is how the everybody else in the narrative treats you like you're of no account at all. So yeah, and that is and that the idea of being someone was always so vague. That mm-hmm. how could you ever get there? Like there was what what how can you reach something that's so ill-defined? Yeah. But then how are you ever supposed how is this woman ever supposed to have the tools to know how to define that? Like wh- at what point in her constantly put upon life was she meant to figure that out? Well, and this is what um I mean, you know, like big dreams, sure. That's that's great. But here we are again at like there is this sense that she wants more, but there's no specificity in the narrator's mind. And it falls to Tracy Chapman to be extremely specific and sort of in that single line that's like, we'll get out of the shelter and buy a big fucking Victorian pile in the suburbs. That those specifics underline how vague everything is Mm-hmm. To, in the narrator's sort of like um, five-year plan, which does not exist, uh, up to and including her own sense of self. That it's like, you know, if you ask this narrator, who are you? She'd be like, I'm the one that just kept getting left behind to work. And like, that's not a personality. Dare I say, <laughs> another thing that makes this song so great and so important, I would even say, God, I don't want to suck all the fun out of it by calling it important, Ugh, but too late. There just aren't that many songs where poor people in this country get to be the heroes of things and they get to be humans. And like, we just are really shitty to poor people in America. Mm-hmm. And this song isn't that. This song is like, hey, this poor person, economically poor, but spiritually quite alive, merits our attention. Yeah. And it's a million just such stories an in the naked machine. city. Yeah. And there's it's also not fetishizing the situation. Like this right. is I mean, talk about sucking all the fun and class out of a thing, but this is one of the things that I find appealing and important about get ready the Teen Mom franchise on MTV. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I am I am not wrong about this, I feel, because it just shows you. I mean, granted, there is a Heisenberg effect with the cameras and the fact that MTV is probably paying some bills for these families, whatever. But and I only watched one of them, the young and pregnant one. These are not people that you see in the culture as much. Um People who, you know, choose to have the child at 16, people who are like living four generations, the oldest person of whom is around my age, by the way, in a in a trailer or just in those sort of unincorporated towns in the middle of the country that trail off into the horizon. Um, And they keep big gulp cups for two weeks like yeah, this is what it means to really have no money and not like sort of the theoretical fancy Brooklyn sense of having no money. Like this is what this is how much of the country lives. 
And the Teen Mom, at that part of the Teen Mom franchise, sort of is just like, this is how it is for these families. And, you know, this is a document of of life for someone who got pregnant at 16, who the father is, you know, a, a trifler, can't, can't be counted mm-hmm. on, left the state. So I, but there are so many, I feel like there are so many like country music, especially, or big hat country music, but um, there's so much of pop culture that doesn't understand how, and, you know, I am, I'm not a social historian, I grew up in extreme privilege. I'm not acting like I know either, but there is, it's very hard to find just a testament to life as it's lived by regular people that is not also mm-hmm. fetishizing them for purposes of the creator's politics or cynicism or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was an extremely long-winded and um, underqualified way of saying that I agree with you. AMA. But also <laughs> how fucking great that this really pleasant, great song contains all of that. It's you can and you can feel that even if you're listening to it superficially. I think that's one of the reasons this song endures is that it is packed with this type of meaning and resonance. Mm-hmm. I do want us to go back, however, to the fact that this song is enjoyable because yeah. it is not a dissertation in song form. No. And I th- I think that if you just enjoy it on the um, on the just surface aural level of like, this is a pleasant story that I can sing along to that makes me when I am in my car with the windows down on a fall day feel good. That like it is sensorily rewarding. That is well, and also fine. Yes. And it's wicked smart of Tracy Chapman to let the chorus when she's remembering the rush of being in the fast car kick in with all these drums mm-hmm. and the rest of the song is so spare that you kind of are eagerly waiting for the musical return of her best memory. And so you get kind of caught up in her story through that because you're like, yay, it's time for the chorus again. And you can, that's the part where you can really sing out and the drums come in and mm-hmm. you're like the full experience. And then she pulls it back to that very simple acoustic stuff. And that is a way of the structure of the music actually putting us into the emotional state of the author. And it's really, really a uh, narrator and it's really fun and yeah. super fun to sing along to. And it's, I mean, it's smart. And then the, the very last bars of the song, there's sort of like a little trap sound from the drum. That's like a, this door is closing. Yeah. On this vignette. Like, I don't remember the video, but if it sort of was like a door closing, whether it's the car door, whether it's a sort of psychological door, I mean, this is not someone who is um, naive about um, narrative construction in a song. So, yeah. Yeah. It's and really she was something. so young when she wrote this song. She was like 22. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. So, you know, but it takes Barbara Ehrenreich 242 pages to do these sort of chronicles of um, of blue collar America. And uh, it, Tracy Chapman does it in four minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, <laughs> takes so all good. kinds, takes all kinds. Well, I'm so glad that we finally got to talk about this and to reference a couple of other Tracy Chapman songs that are just so great. And for those of you listening, if you do not know 
Tracy Chapman's self-titled album, or if you haven't listened to it in a while, do yourself the favor of sitting down with this roughly 35 minutes of music because it is so rich and wonderful. And the variety of stories that she tells, the types of narrators that she creates, it's so interesting and complicated. And uh, like, for instance, there's a song on there called For My Lover where she has fucking killed somebody so that she can get that good dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, also, yeah. there's that happening. Yeah. <laughs> there's a acapella song about overhearing um, intimate partner abuse. That's a that's a real yes. um, that's a real rave up. Ju- I mean, just kidding. But it's extremely effective and sort of if you trust her to know how to put together also a whole album and sort of keep you together and with her emotionally. Yeah, she does that. And then, uh, uh, baby, can I hold you tonight is just oh. a wonderful love song that I'd love to sing to my husband. So, you know, she's, she's contains multitudes. Yeah, she's great. Tracy Chapman, thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I met this boy just about six months ago He told me he loved me that it never made me feel alone Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at bleav.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at markandsarahtalkaboutsongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's markandsarah, with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastas Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastas. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.